0: Section Thirty Three of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of Saint Luke, Volume Two by J. C. Ryle, Chapter Seventeen, Verses One to Four, Sinfulness of Causing Offense, Duty of Forgiveness. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Luke, Chapter Seventeen, Verses One to Four. Then said he unto the disciples it is impossible that offences will come but woe unto him through whom they come it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him and if he repent forgive him and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying i repent Thou shalt forgive him. We are taught, for one thing, in these verses, the great sinfulness of putting stumbling-blocks in the way of other men's souls. The Lord Jesus says, Woe unto him through whom offenses come! It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. When do men make others stumble? when do they cause offence to come? They do it, beyond doubt, whenever they persecute believers, or endeavor to deter them from serving Christ. But this, unhappily, is not all. Professing Christians do it whenever they bring discredit on their religion by inconsistencies of temper, of word, or of deed. We do it whenever we make our Christianity unlovely in the eyes of the world, by conduct not keeping with our profession." The world may not understand the doctrines and principles of believers, but the world is very keen-sighted about their practice. The sin against which our lord warns us was the sin of David. When he had broke the seventh commandment and taken the wife of Uriah to be his wife, the prophet Nathan said to him, Thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme second Samuel chapter twelve verse fourteen. It was the sin which st paul charges on the Jews when he says the name of god is blasphemed among the gentiles through you romans chapter two verse twenty four it is the sin of which he frequently entreats christians to beware give none offense neither to the jews nor to the gentiles nor to the church of god first corinthians chapter 10 verse thirty two the subject is a deeply searching one the sin which our lord brings before us is unhappily very common the inconsistencies of professing christians too often supply the men of the world with an excuse for neglecting religion altogether an inconsistent believer whether he knows it or not is daily doing harm to souls his life is a positive injury to the gospel of christ let us often ask ourselves whether we are doing good or harm in the world we cannot live to ourselves if we are christians the eyes of many will always be upon us men will judge by what they see far more than by what they hear if they see the christian contradicting by his practice what he professes to believe they are justly stumbled and offended for the world's sake as well as for our own let us labor to be eminently holy let us endeavor to make our religion beautiful in the eyes of men and to adorn the doctrine of christ in all things let us strive daily to lay aside every weight and the sin which most easily besets us AND SO TO LIVE THAT MEN CAN FIND NO FAULT IN US, EXCEPT CONCERNING THE LAW OF OUR GOD. LET US WATCH JEALOUSLY OVER OUR TEMPERS AND TONGUES, AND THE DISCHARGE OF OUR SOCIAL DUTIES. ANYTHING IS BETTER THAN DOING HARM TO SOULS. THE CROSS OF CHRIST WILL ALWAYS GIVE OFFENSE. LET US NOT INCREASE THAT OFFENSE BY CARELESSNESS IN OUR DAILY LIFE. THE NATURAL MAN CANNOT BE EXPECTED TO LOVE THE GOSPEL, BUT LET US NOT DISGUST HIM BY INCONSISTENCY. We are taught, for another thing in these verses, the great importance of a forgiving spirit. The Lord Jesus says, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. There are few Christian duties which are so frequently and strongly dwelt upon in the New Testament as that of forgiving injuries. It fills a prominent place in the Lord's Prayer. The only profession we make in all that prayer is that of forgiving those who trespass against us. It is a test of being forgiven ourselves. The man who cannot forgive his neighbor the few trifling offenses he may have committed against him can know nothing experimentally of that free and full pardon which is offered us by Christ. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Not least, it is one leading mark of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. The presence of the Spirit in the heart may always be known by the fruits he causes to be brought forth in the life. Those fruits are both active and passive. The man who has not learned to bear and forbear, to put up with much and look over much, is not born of the Spirit. First John chapter three verse fourteen, Matthew chapter five verses forty four and forty five. The doctrine laid down by our Lord in this place is deeply humbling. It shows most plainly the wide contrariety which exists between the ways of the world and the gospel of Christ. Who does not know that pride, and haughtiness, and high-mindedness, and readiness to take offence, and implacable determination never to forget and never to forgive, are common among baptized men and women? Thousands will go to the Lord's table and even profess to love the gospel who fire up in a moment at the least appearance of what they call offensive conduct, and make a quarrel out of the merest trifles. Thousands are perpetually quarreling with all around them, always complaining how ill other people behave, and always forgetting that their own quarrelsome disposition is the spark which causes the flame. One general remark applies to all such persons. They are making their own lives miserable, and showing their unmeetness for the kingdom of God, an unforgiving and quarrelsome spirit is the surest mark of an unregenerate heart. What says the scripture? Whereas there is among you envying and strife and diversions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? First Corinthians chapter three verse three, first John chapter three verses eighteen to twenty, chapter four verse twenty. Let us leave the whole passage with jealous self inquiry few passages ought to humble christians so much and to make them feel so deeply their need of the blood of atonement and the mediation of christ how often we have given offence and caused others to stumble how often we have allowed unkind angry and revengeful thoughts to nestle undisturbed in our hearts these things ought not so to be the more carefully we attend to such practical lessons as this passage contains the more we shall recommend our religion to others and the more inward peace we shall find in our own souls notes luke chapter 17 verses 1 to 4 verse 1 then he said unto the disciples let it be observed that our lord here turns again to his disciples and specially addresses them as he had done at the beginning of the last chapter the parable of the rich man and lazarus had been specially spoken to the pharisees christ now turns away from them to his own followers it is not easy to trace the connection between the beginning of this chapter and the end of the last. Yet the two chapters seem to contain a continuous discourse of our Lord's without any pause, break, or intermission. It is possible that our Lord may have had in His mind the stumbling-block that conduct like that of the rich man toward Lazarus put in the way of weak believers, and meant to warn His disciples not to be discouraged if they met with similar treatment. It is possible that our Lord may be referring again to his lesson about faithfulness in little things, in the parable of the unjust steward, and be warning his disciples not to give occasion to the enemy to blaspheme. But these conjectures, however, may perhaps be needless. A great teacher, like our Lord, has an undoubted right to open up entirely new subjects at his discretion. Perhaps this is the case here. It is impossible, will come. This expression means that human nature is such, and the world is such, that it is useless to expect there will be no offences. There will be, as long as the world stands. Yet this does not lessen the guilt of those who cause them. Human infirmities are no excuse for the evil that is in the world, though they may explain its presence. Offences. The Greek word so translated is rendered elsewhere in the New Testament, stumbling-block, occasion to fall, and occasion of stumbling. Romans chapter 11 verse 9, chapter 14 verse thirteen, First John chapter 2 verse 10. Woe unto him, etc. This woe has probably a wide application. It includes all who cause Christ's people to stumble and to be discouraged, from the fiercest persecutor like Nero down to the least inconsistent believer. Verse 2. A millstone hanged about his neck etc this is a proverbial expression anything is better than to give offence to a believer and make him stumble these little ones this expression means here believers they are god's children and as tenderly cared for by him as the little infants in a man's family see mark chapter 10 verse 42 it is probable that our lord pointed to some of the weak and unestablished followers who accompanied him and the twelve apostles there are always many who are babes in christ first corinthians chapter three verse one verse three take heed to yourselves etc the connection of this verse with that which precedes it is again not very clear it would seem to imply that the offences of which our lord had just been speaking were such as are specially occasioned by the want of a charitable and forgiving spirit among Christians. It is like st John's expression, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. First John chapter two verse ten. Rebuke him. This expression shows the christian duty of plain, straightforward, faithful dealing with those who injure us. To say that of a brother behind his back which we are not prepared if needful to say before his face is not the conduct of a true servant of christ if he repent forgive him this expression is remarkable it doubtless cannot mean that we are not to forgive men unless they repent at this rate there would be much bitterness constantly kept alive but it does mean that when there is no repentance or regret for an injury done there can be no renewal of cordial friendship or complete reconciliation between man and man verse four seven times in a day here as in other places we cannot doubt that the number seven must be taken indefinitely it means very frequently very often see matthew chapter eight verse two chapter twelve verse forty five chapter eighteen verse twenty two and luke chapter eleven verse twenty six See also first Samuel chapter two verse five, Ruth chapter four verse fifteen, Isaiah chapter four verse one, psalm twelve verse six, Micah chapter five verse five. End of section thirty three.